I've noticed at the end of people's lives, there are often no words that are spoken. And perhaps it's because the person is unable to speak, or maybe because all the words have been spoken already. I'm not sure. But, but I know that Jesus, um, when He hung on the cross, He did speak at the end of His life. And, and I think His final words tell us a lot about what's important to Him in that moment and what He wanted people to remember. Uh, we know those words were important to Jesus because He went to extraordinary lengths to give those words at the end of His life. And, you know, it's really hard for us in our day to stomach the details of Jesus' crucifixion. And I certainly don't want to morbidly dwell on those details. And yet, at the same time, I think it's good for us to think about what Jesus went through in dying so that we can fully appreciate the gift of life, so that we can come to Easter morning and truly celebrate and know what He's done for us and and appreciate that gift. So if you've read any kind of medical explanation of what a body goes through when they hang on a cross, you learn that a person... Uh, doesn't die from the nail wounds in their hands and feet. They, they don't die of blood loss. Uh, a person on the cross usually dies of a heart failure, which is brought on by asphyxiation or a lack of oxygen. And again, very morbid for us to think about, but this is how Jesus died. Uh, he was on a cross. His arms were extended. If you can imagine the full weight of your body pulling you down. And so just to breathe meant... You had to lift yourself up by the nails in your wrists, excruciating kind of pain just because how the, how the nails were in your nerve endings. And so uh, to pull yourself up, or maybe you'd push up on your feet enough so that you could fill your lungs in order to talk is almost unimaginable. But this is what Jesus did because he had some important things to say. And the four Gospels combined give us seven words, we call them words, they're statements really, that Jesus speaks from the cross. Matthew and Mark record uh, one word, Luke and John each give us three different and unique ones, and some people might find that troubling, but it actually makes sense to me because um, Jesus wasn't crucified high up on a hill with no one around him. In actuality, he was just a few feet off the ground, right close to a road. And so people would have heard him speaking, even if he was talking in a whisper. But with all the confusion and the noise, different people coming and going at the foot of the cross, it makes sense that some people heard one word while others heard another. And so our assumption in reading the Gospels is that they don't contradict each other, but they complement each other. Different people heard what Jesus said and they remembered it and they wrote it down. And so through these four Gospels, we have all of Jesus' final words on the cross. And since they're not all in one Gospel, we aren't sure of the exact order of them, but there is a traditional ordering of them. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Today you will be with me in paradise. Then later he said, Behold your mother, behold your son. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I thirst, it is finished. And then finally, into your hands I commit my spirit. And throughout this season of Lent, we're going to talk about 
these seven words or statements so that by the time we come to Easter Sunday, we can truly celebrate uh, on that day. The first word from the cross spoken by Jesus is found in Luke twenty-three thirty-four. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Really not a surprise here that Jesus begins with a prayer because Jesus, as we read about his life, spends a lot of time in prayer, doesn't he? At the beginning of his ministry, he fasted and he prayed for 40 days. And when he had uh, major decisions to make, Jesus would go off alone and he would pray. And, And we know that his prayer life was so profound that one day his disciples came to him and they said, teach us how to pray, right? In fact, uh, shouldn't be a surprise that, that his first word was a prayer, but I think it also shouldn't be a surprise that the prayer wasn't for himself, but it was for others. And if you look at those first three words there from the cross, we see that none of them are about him, but they're about others. Let's stop and think about that just for a moment. Jesus had just been betrayed by his friend Judas, He'd just been denied by his friend Peter. He'd been deserted by almost all of his other friends. A few hours earlier, he had experienced probably the most horrifying torture and beating that you could imagine. And then they have just pounded nails into his hands and feet, and they've lifted him into a position where just breathing and speaking was difficult and painful. And yet in that moment, in those moments, Jesus wasn't thinking about himself, at least not by his words from the cross. He isn't feeling sorry for himself. He isn't cursing out his friends for failing him. He isn't even crying out in pain, which I think we all would be. He's not thinking about himself at all. He's thinking about and he's praying for others. And and the only way that I think that's possible is, is if his whole life is spent focused on meeting the needs of others. And as we study his life, we see the truth that it actually was. Jesus denied himself every day, which meant that in that moment, he was simply continuing to live the way that he always had, by denying himself and praying for others. For us, praying for others first and ourselves second is a part of what it means for us to deny ourselves. Jesus said earlier in Luke 9.23, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And so praying for others, thinking about others, is a part of what that means. Self-denial doesn't mean that we physically uh, pick up or we die on a cross, but it does mean that we live a life where we think about others, we pray for others, and we try to place the needs of others before ourselves. And I know how challenging that is. Sometimes we struggle to do that. But that's the life of Jesus, and that's what we're trying to do. It means we stop thinking about ourselves first and what's good for us, and we start thinking about how we meet the needs of others. And in our world today, this me-first kind of world, this is radical. This is a radical challenge, but this is the example that Jesus gives us in this first word from the cross. So Jesus prays, Father, forgive them. Who who is them? Who, Who is he talking about here? Who is Jesus praying for? Well, let's place ourselves in Jesus' position. 
the first people that we think he would have seen would have been the Roman soldiers who just pounded nails into his hands and feet. The ones who at the foot of the cross would toss dice to see who would get his clothes. And as Jesus looks at them, he asks God to forgive them because they didn't really understand who he was. And so they couldn't really understand what they were doing. And so first of all, he was praying for the soldiers. But beyond the soldiers, Jesus would have seen other people there. He would have been thinking about some other people. Most likely there were some of the religious leaders Uh, And they had been the ones who had condemned Jesus to death the night before. And they had gathered there to make sure that Jesus really died. And they were also there, if you read the account, to mock him and to curse him. And as Jesus looks at them, he prays, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. He's praying for the religious leaders. He's doing in this moment what he had taught his disciples to do in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5.44, Jesus says, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So this is more than good sounding words. This is actually living this out in the hardest of situations. This is how he lived and how he died. He, He loved his enemies enough to pray for them even while they're persecuting him. And I wonder... As Jesus looked out at the crowd, I wonder if he wasn't also looking for his disciples out there. I mean, where was Peter? Where was Andrew or James? Where was Thomas, Nathaniel? Why weren't they there? Why had they deserted him when they promised to stay with him until the end? And so I I believe that as Jesus was looking for them and thinking about them, he's also praying for them. Father, Forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. They didn't understand what was happening. They were afraid. They were unsure. All their hopes and their dreams had come crashing down. Everything they believed seemed to be falling apart. The one they trusted in seemed at this moment to have failed, and and they were probably overwhelmed with sorrow and grief, and so they run away. And Jesus knows this. And so instead of cursing his friends for not being there, instead of condemning them for being weak and sinful, which they were, I believe Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. Now, you know I can't conclusively prove that from our text, but I believe that he did pray for his disciples who had failed him. But this morning, even beyond the soldiers who were crucifying, his enemies who were persecuting him, and beyond his disciples who had utterly failed him, Jesus looked out from the cross and he saw you and he saw me. And here's the thing. Um, Jesus doesn't just see us when we're at our best, when we're doing the good things or that when we have good intentions. This is how I like to think about uh, what God sees in my life. But the reality is that he sees all things and he sees us at our worst. He sees us when we say the things we shouldn't say. He sees us when we do the things we shouldn't do. And it's in those moments, those moments of our own sin and our failure, that Jesus prays for us. And what he asks for is for God to forgive us because we don't know the full extent of what we're doing. And so the truth is that this prayer of Jesus from the cross wasn't just for those who were there on that day. It's a prayer for you. 
And it's a, pray for, it's a prayer for all of us because all of us are sinners. It was for you and I. Now, we don't like to talk about sin much. We don't like to be reminded of it. Heaven forbid if the preacher was fire and brimstone, right? Well, maybe that would be a good thing. But my point is that we don't like to focus on that because it's not pretty. It's not something that we want to associate with ourselves. But the word sin means to miss the mark or to stray from the path. And the truth is that God has laid out a path for all of us to follow. He's taught us and through Jesus, He's shown us how to live our lives, and yet we are, as the song says, prone to wander. We are forever going our own direction. The Apostle Paul says it best in his letter to the Romans. He says in Romans chapter 7, verse 15, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And then in verses 18 and 19, he says, For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. So we are all sinners. We're never going to be able to live the perfect life that God wants for us. And the Bible points that out to us. Not to make us feel guilty or unworthy, although those things aren't always bad, but to remind us of the abundant grace of God. And while Jesus was very honest about the reality and the consequences of sin, the heart of his message was forgiveness and grace. I think it's kind of funny that most of us, or most people who are in the church, they know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. And at the same time, many of us aren't aware of the next verse that really, I believe, sums up the heart of Jesus' message. John 3.17, it says, For God did not send... Uh, his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So this is the heart of the gospel, that God sent Jesus not to condemn us of sin, but to point it out so that we might know the power of his forgiveness, so that we might be, be drawn to him and his grace. And if we keep reading Paul's letters to the Romans, we keep seeing the same thing. Romans seven twenty four and 25, Paul says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So notice that like Jesus, Paul's message doesn't end with condemnation, but with God's grace. And so the whole point of talking about his own sin for Paul wasn't to condemn himself and beat himself up, but to give thanks and praise to God who forgives him and offers him this grace and peace. And you know what? God wants the same thing for you and I. Yes, we need to be aware of our sin. We need to know that we are wandering. We need to know His commands so that we can walk in them. But more than anything, we need to know His grace and His love and His power that enables us to walk in His ways. God wants us to be serious about sin, but not to make us feel guilty or unworthy, but to remind us of this amazing grace and love that's willing to die on the cross for us. 
speaking words, even though it was a struggle to even breathe. Words of triumph. So the first of the final words from the cross is a prayer. And as I said, Jesus built his life on prayer. It was a prayer for others, not himself, because Jesus lives a life of self-denial and sacrifice where he places the needs of others before his own. And it was a prayer of forgiveness for everyone because we're all sinners in need of God's mercy and love. And while it's crucial for us to important or it's crucial for us to understand all of that and accept the forgiveness that God offers, it's not enough just for us to hear these final words. We have to be willing to make them the foundation on which we build our faith and our lives. In other words, we have to live them out. We have to apply them to our lives because, as you remember from last week, we are active followers, eager for the application of God's Word. And so, let's be clear, Jesus didn't say this prayer out loud so that people could hear the sound of His voice. It's because He wanted them and He wanted us to hear the message so that no matter what we've done or who we are, we would know that we're forgiven. Because if Jesus can forgive the people who have just condemned Him to die and nailed Him to the cross, He can forgive us. So He wants us to hear this message so that we can receive that forgiveness and so that we can forgive others. Again, this final word is nothing new for Jesus. As we read about his life, he spends a lot of time teaching us to forgive. And he told us to forgive our enemies. And not only that, he said we need to forgive those who have sinned against us. How many times? Seven times? Seventy times? Somebody says 70 times seven. 490, he says. But his point is all the time, continuously. It's not even limited to that. And so by making this one of his last words to us, Jesus wants to be clear that we need to be willing to forgive others. Um, It's really that important. We should remember that forgiving others doesn't mean that we rush back into a relationship where we allow ourselves to get hurt and take advantage of over and over again. God wouldn't want that. That's not what he's talking about. But forgiveness does mean that we let go of the grudge. We don't hold people's faults and failures and sins against them. And and this is not easy. It's not easy to forgive people who have hurt us deeply. It's not easy to let go of pain and frustration and disappointment and bitterness that we feel. It's not easy. But neither is speaking from the cross. Jesus enduring the pain to forgive us. And so sometimes we have to endure the pain of forgiveness because it's the right thing to do. Because it's been done for us. And it's also the only path that leads us to healing and new life. It's also for our benefit. And so if we're going to hold on to pain and bitterness of those who have wronged us, then we will never fully heal or experience freedom and life. We'll live in pain and bitterness. So God's forgiveness of us and our willingness to forgive others is what allows us to let go of the pain so that we can begin to experience true healing and true life. 
So this morning for you, if there's someone that you need to forgive today, I would invite you to forgive them. I would invite you to to pray for them. And even pray this prayer that Jesus prayed. To say, Father, forgive. You fill in the person. Father, forgive them. And then, Father, forgive me. So in closing this morning, very quickly, a lot of potential action points for active followers. We're just going to touch on three. A possible action point might be for you this morning to pray. Maybe it's just simply adding five minutes to your prayer time at the beginning of your day so that you can imitate Jesus who had prayer as the foundation for his life. So maybe it's an action point of just praying. Or maybe it's an action point of praying for others in a more planned and intentional way. Make a plan to pray for others. Second, uh, another potential action point could be to forgive yourself. If Jesus could forgive the soldiers, the religious leaders, his failed disciples and others, he can and will forgive you. Maybe your mind keeps replaying a sin that you've sinned or something that's a, a, continue, a continual plague in your life. And you just keep replaying that over and over. He has that power. He is willing to forgive that sin. And so maybe your action point this morning is to forgive yourself, to accept His forgiveness. And then finally, as we've already mentioned it, to forgive others. Who in your life are you struggling to forgive? Would you be willing to pray for them this week? Would you ask God to work in your heart? This is not going to naturally come from you and your desire. Don't wait until you feel like it. But it's an intentional decision to say, I will forgive them. I may not feel like it. It may take a long time. This is not a switch that you suddenly flick. But you make an intentional decision. I'm going to pray for them this week. Father, forgive. You know their heart. You know my pain. I pray for those who hurt me. Forgive them, Lord. And in the process, heal me.